Hi, and welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew. I'm Jake. And I'm Jacob. And we've been doing this for one full year now. So in honor of that, we're deciding to punish ourselves by going back to the original and doing the sequel to Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Click the link below to listen to our first commentary for We're Pretty Drunk. So this movie was released in September of last year, which is why we did the original Zombie Island movie to try and capitalize on the release of this one. Um, and now this is why we're doing this one, because it's been one year. And I regret doing that because this is easily the worst Scooby-Doo product I've seen in my entire life. And I've seen a lot of Scooby-Doo, so that's saying something. I don't think I would go that far. But it was up there. Oh, I don't know. It's not like, uh, you know, I didn't like it, but uh, it's not like, like fascinating kind of bad. It's just like really bland and by the numbers. Well, that's boring. what I mean. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Like at least like to me, the uh, the worst, the other stuff that's technically speaking worse than this, like you know the eighty stuff, like you know meets the Boo Brothers and Reluctant Werewolf. Technically speaking, those are worse movies, but. They're fun bad. This was just boring. And like it, it really gave us nothing to do. That's part of the reason why we're just doing a discussion, because we weren't sure if we could do a full, like, 75-minute-long commentary you know, riffing off of it. Like, it didn't really give us that much to joke about. It would have just been us banging our heads against a wall for 75 minutes, which is sounds short as a runtime, but for bodily injury can be quite a bit of time. Exactly. Yeah, the last I mean, movie I, I was just bored during was Primer. That was about the same length. So what you're saying is that Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island is basically, it's Primer. It's very comparable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Both are yeah. very complex narrative, very scientific. A lot of thought and work put into it. And very boring. Now, it's interesting yeah. to trace how, like, these Scooby-Doo movies sort of just, like, became... It's interesting because Zombie Island was like the movie that broke from the formula and did like this whole interesting sort of uh, reversal where the monsters were real and stuff like that. And like the gang had split up. And it's interesting because you can trace the movies from that point onwards becoming more and more formulaic again. And now we're at this, the sequel to Zombie Island. And it basically just follows the Scooby-Doo, basic Scooby-Doo story formula down to like a T, you know? That's thing. This feels more in continuity with like a TV series that's currently on versus being a follow-up to the original Zombie Island. First, obviously, like we said, the animation is much cheaper, but you know you can't fault them on that necessarily. They didn't have the budget, but the bigger thing is just like the tone and um, even, you know one big thing I noticed is the sound effects. You know we're back to using the Hanna Barbera um, sound effects library a lot more than we did in the original Zombie Island. I mean. You hear the running in place sound effect multiple times, and you know the tone, like I said, is much goofier. Now, this is in continuity with the um, previous year's 2018's um, Curse of the Thirteen Ghosts, which was um, created as a conclusion of, um, to the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo series, which um, ended on a cliffhanger. Essentially, you know, it didn't get a second season, um, and you know, it's the same thing where Velma's being stubborn about the, you know, possibility of real ghosts. They're trying to be, you know, going back to the whole, you know, supernatural um, elements of this series and trying to kind of 
not downplay them and hand wave them away when we know like yeah it should be a matter of fact that's like yeah there were ghosts in these versions so it's a very weird thing they're trying to go back and be like no 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 we're going back to formula it's always going to be a guy in a rubber mask now and trying to pull back on that now that works with a series like um, 13 ghosts because you know even though it was probably the best thing they did in the 80s it doesn't have the same recognition or admiration as the original zombie island does in the scooby-doo fan community i mean i may be wrong on that but you don't hear people talking nearly as much about that as they do about zombie island so that to me is the real glaring um problem with this one is they're trying to hand wave away something that was possibly the greatest thing they've done with the original series yes i (laughs) we will not rest until jake says something Uh, we watched this last week, but I don't. Um, That's it. I don't. I didn't even think think of it as like a sequel to Zombie Island because it's just like it's like a very by the numbers sort of Scooby Doo plot. Um, there's not even that much of a connection. Well, yeah, it's not even like a well done by the numbers Scooby Doo plot because even those can be fun in their own right. But this was it was very disjointed in terms of how it was. It was in terms of just. The structure of it, I think, was was pretty jarring. I don't know how, how you guys felt about that. No, but. it was weird because, um, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to get into, like, the specifics of the plot to, like, really explain it. Um, I assume I assume none of our one viewers will be angry about having this movie spoiled. Yeah. Um, it's, like, a weird where, like, it starts off doing one thing. Where it's like they sign into the the hotel that's like inside the old mansion, and then suddenly switches gears halfway through and kind of turns into a different story. Um, the transition doesn't make a ton of sense, and neither stories are particularly interesting in their own right. Well, that's the thing that um, there particularly isn't an actual mystery to this movie. You know, like you, Jacob was saying, the premise is they've retired from you know, mystery solving at the beginning of the movie. And then, you know, Elvira, the celebrity cameo, uh, announces Shaggy has won a trip to Moonstar Island. It's a Moonstar Island. And as Jacob also said, this was like the It miniseries where they're just like very like, you know, have (laughs) very like vague memories of um, what happened to them. And like, they're like, you know, they're, they're looking at a building that's identical to where they saw zombies and cat people. And they're like, this kind of seems familiar, but not really. And then it's revealed, oh, well, everyone on the island is trying to trick them into making a movie. That See, that would have been funny if it was, like, more of a joke. But it's just kind of like a weirdly incidental thing. Yeah, well, what, I'm curi- what I'm curious about is, uh, wh- when did they catch us up on Zombie Island? Because there was, like, a whole device in the movie where no one could remember about the incident at Zombie Island. Was it in the beginning, or was it later on when they when they had when they got their memories back or something and because that was kind of weird hold on just to be clear there's not like an actual plot line of this where they like forgot and like that's true they have to remember it's just like um it's just like incidental that like none of them really remember what happened and you can argue about the logic of that all day but like that doesn't really matter to me i actually think it could be kind of funny if they didn't remember what happened in the last one like they went through this traumatic experience with like these 
zombies and these cat monsters and these gods and then they just like oh, i don't remember what happened like that's kind of like a funny mystery gang thing but that doesn't happen either it's just like like kind of the whole thing just feels weirdly incidental and that's i honestly it could just be a result of following the formula so close that events of consequence can't hold much water well that's the thing it's like that would be hilarious Shaggy and Scooby were the only people who remembered, and they were like bashing their heads against the wall. Like, you don't remember this? This is clearly the same place we were. Yeah, and- or like the the joke is that they treat it like any other mystery or something like that, where like they were just like, oh, we are, you know, we fought the the swamp monster, we fought like the evil clown. Oh, remember that time we fought like those god like cat monsters or something like? And if they just like treated it like a regular mystery, that would be funny. But again, it's just like. It all just feels very incidental. That's because the movie itself is just very disposable. Well, and the thing is, I feel like they also did, couldn't decide how much time has supposedly passed by. Like, they treat it as if this is bet, this was 20-something years ago, which I still think would be a pretty damn memorable event in your life. Um, but they've also retconned it to they're much younger because in the original Zombie Island, Daphne has her own TV series. And that's where why they go down to New Orleans to go there. But they've now retconned it to just a TV show she intern on summer vacation. And they they tried doing the same thing with um, the Thirteen Ghosts movie, where you know they explain why da- why um, Velma and Fred are gone. It's just oh, it's summer vacation thing. So it's like okay, now you're trying to make them younger. So you're taking away the distance of 20 years making it harder so it's like it seems like they couldn't um decide it feels very it was almost like a committee thing movie where they no one wanted to agree on it was like all the suits making the decisions and they didn't care about the logic of it or like trying to tell an act good story and it goes back to what i was saying of even though Blue brothers and reluctant world are technically worse movies i think they're far more enjoyable because the people even though it was just gimme jobs for seemingly trying at least i honestly i don't like care about like the continuity stuff as much i just like wanted it to be funny well that's what i'm saying like you have you have to pick one or the other like you can't like they it seems like they didn't know what they wanted to do with it do they want to have continuity with the previous movie not zombie island but the previous movie they released the year before with this one are they trying to kind of make it a joke but like it's it's just very weird I if I think it's just there's is there like a a mandate on like how many of these they need to release a year or something like that because it, it kind of just feels like an exercise and like it, it's like a brand exercise you know they 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 release like tons of these direct to DVD or video or whatever the kids watch these days um, <laughs> films and they release like a few a year and they all kind of have the same basic formula um God ironically I guess. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island would have been the first one in this sort of uh, wave of direct-to-video Scooby-Doo films, but uh, it's just like it's like very formulaic, and it almost feels more like an extension of like the brand than it is just like trying to make interesting new films. Well, which I mean, like you know, what do you expect from a Scooby-Doo cheaply animated direct-to-video film? But you know, I had to sit through it because Wasp made us watch it, so. No, our one viewer, Jason Ritter, I'm going to link this to you, Jason. Uh, you requested this, and it's our one-year anniversary, so we had to do it. It, ha- it just made sense. We got the free Boomerang subscription um, trial, so 
there was no excuse not to do it. It wasn't worth it. Even the free, you know, 30 day subscription was not worth it. Yeah. We canceled it immediately. The yeah, free I'm subscription. Not going to get billed for it. Um, I, I think it's just the problem that my know, time was billed. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was about three minutes closer. You know, I agree with Jacob because this is really what happens when you know you have a release schedule that you are just you know by the gun. Like you need to um, get as many of these out as you know humanly possible. You have a schedule that's more dictated by just like you know, got to make money. It's a corporate thing. Then okay, let's try and make a good product. Now you look at the release schedules. You know that it's nothing new with Scooby Doo. That in the seventies you had a crap ton of. TV series, and then in the 80s you had a lot, and then, you know, from November 87 to um, September 88, um, you had, Hanna-Barbera did the Superstars 10, where, you know, they did 10 Hanna-Barbera characters, uh, movies, um, and, you know, Scooby-Doo got three. You had um, Meet Bo the Brew Brothers, you know, The Ghoul School, and Reluctant Werewolf, and, you know, they were just churning these things out, but then, you know, you get into the 90s. You know, from 1994, when they did Arabian Nights, they did nothing with the franchise until they did the original Zombie Island. And it felt like a natural, let's resurrect this series. Let's tell a good story. You know, and now they're back to, okay, we got to churn these things out again. And it really does compromise the quality you have with them. You know, it almost feels like it's the same thing that Fox has with the Fantastic Four, where they got to do a couple movies or a movie every few years to make sure they don't lose the license. It's almost like Warner Brothers, like, has to do 50 Scooby-Doo movies a year now, otherwise they lose the license. Well, no, it's just like, it's like a brand extension thing is what it feels like. And, like, there's like a hundred of these director video films, I think. I think, you know, you just go into this one, you almost expect it to be, like, a little bit, have a little bit more going on because the original film did. But it's pretty much the equivalent of just like another disposable Scooby-Doo direct-to-video film. So like, I guess check your expectations when you go and not watch this film, unlike us. Yeah, that's why we're not doing a commentary track for this. We, we cannot sit through this god-awful fucking movie again, and we do not want to subject you to have to sit through it um, as well. I think another problem... What? No, no, I'm trying to make Jake talk here. <laughs> I... Hey Jake, talk about the music. I mean that. Um, what that music? Um, well, the music in this one. Like, talk about Alan Smithy. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I was oh. just saying, uh, Lewis Bedbury, I think, did the music in the last one compared to whoever did it in this one. Well, I don't know who did it in this one. But like, talk about the differences. There's no Lewis Bedbury, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I will say the music in those earlier Scooby-Doo animated films were of a much higher caliber, and I mean that with full sincerity. Not this one was not. This was Jake's, the Jake's just a big fan of that composer. Yes, yes, I am. Um, no, but I, I do mean that though. Yeah. And I, I can't. Well, I, I don't, it's a testament to those older to those older movies, though, because despite them being these direct-to-video releases, I think there was at least more effort put into them, even though they varied in quality after Zombie Island. Um, but stuff like the music and everything, I thought was always a, of a higher caliber. Then with this one, I it's just, you know, it's like the rest of the movie. It's just, you know. I almost feel like we're giving it too much credit by, like, having a conversation about it like this. Because it's yes. like, it was meant to just be, like, some, like, cheap throwaway, like, 60-minute, 75-minute or whatever film. You stick on DVD, you make it quick, cheap, 
and it reinforces the brand so you can continue to perpetuate the marketplace with Scooby-Doo stuff and make like a small profit margin off it. It almost like reminds me of like, I don't know. I don't know what the business model is. I, and I don't know how much they're making off of these films, but it reminds me of like, like comic books almost from like Marvel and DC where the actual comics are like such a small part of the whole thing and basically just exist to like help, like, you know, can help saturate the market. Um, it's what it almost feels like with something like this. So it's like, it feels weird talking about it when like there's, it's not meant to have much going on in it. It's just like, here's a Scooby-Doo thing. This will help us continue to keep the market saturated. I'm trying to just imagine, because it was written by three people. So I'm, I, I, I want I, I kind of want to give it the benefit of the doubt. Let's assume they went with good attentions and they were trying I mean, maybe this is where this is where we're different because I'm going in and I'm like, they were probably just like, okay, we have a quota of movies we got to make. And they all kind of have to do the same thing because we can't stray from the formula because we're trying to market a brand here and merchandise and whatnot. And then they pick, I I think the only the only reason we're talking about this is because it's a sequel to Zombie Island. We wouldn't have a conversation like this about any of the other director video films, I assume, right? Or we wouldn't even think of watching it. The only reason we're giving this one the benefit of the doubt is because it's a sequel to the, or at least an in-name only sequel to the um, the Zombie Island film. So we kind of had higher expectations for it. And that's the thing. I think that that's the worst thing this movie did was it squandered the potential. Like it, it, there, it wasn't a need for a sequel to Zombie Island. The true sequel to Zombie Island was Witch's Ghost, which was like the best of the three sequels that came after that and still holds up. You didn't need to like, I, the story was done. We didn't need to go back to the Island. You know, this one, they kind of half ass say, Oh, you know, Morgan Moonstar's treasure is still in play. And there might be a fourth cat, even though they never implied there was a fourth cat, which also doesn't make sense. Um, I'm just now realizing there can't be a fourth cat God on the Island because in the original one, they were like, we're going to die if we don't feed on humans right now. So how the fuck is that one? Why wasn't he there to feed on Cam Clark or something? I don't know. See, again, um, that's something that's like almost could be funny to me. If there was like a fourth one that they just totally overlooked or something like that. But like, it's, you know. But you squandered. They, it's not engaging with ideas like this because the movie's very determined to just be a straightforward Scooby-Doo formula. Well, yeah, it's, it's not even... It's not even like it's squandering potential. I don't think there was potential. I think it's what Jacob said. It was... The intent is to just, you know, reinforce this brand. It's it's very cynical. So it's it's you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the, the animation is clearly much cheaper. Yeah. It's following the formula, the Scooby Doo formula very closely, and it's also not really branching outside of the characters or anything like that. So it's like I it almost feels reductive like talking about it. Cause you're just like it's like a dog chasing his tail, and it's like what is there to take away from it, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I think it comes down to there could have been a potential, but yeah, I think it's just now, like you said, they're trying to just reinforce the brand. And I mean, it's a shame because I, I want to give, like Jake said, the benefit of the doubt to these people because even though it is, you know, definitively cheaper, like when they show the recreations from the first one, like they pretty much redo the flashback of um, 
the cat creatures being killed by, or the Morgan Moonstar killing the Puritans and then them turning into cat creatures. Like, they pretty much do a total recreation of that. It's like side by side. You could see it's much cheaper, but like there still is some level of, you know, like effort behind it. Like at one point in the movie, they're in the cave underneath the mansion where um, the finale of the first movie takes place. And it's like, you can see in the background, like all the tracks that they left and what stuff would happen. You can still see their voodoo dolls are just kind of kept tossed to the sides. Like that's a pretty like neat little Easter egg that did not need to be there. They don't like call back to it. They don't pick up the Cam Clark one and then immediately um, do like a, a smash cut to like him at the police force floating around or something like that for a gag. It's just, it's something in the background that they felt that should be in there. And I want to applaud that, but it's like, you know, okay, cool, you did a reference. You didn't do anything besides, like, it feels like it's just we're doing a zombie island movie because it's got the highest IMDb rating of all the other Scooby-Doo movies that they could do sequels to. I think that's the sole reason why they did it, and maybe the writers wanted, or the animators enjoyed it and tried to do as much as they could, but they just weren't given the resources by Warner Brothers. Like, yeah, do a zombie island remake or sequel, Here's 50 bucks. We need it by next week. Go. Here's 50 bucks. Well, it worked because here we are. Yeah, I don't think it was a thing where some writer said, I have a great idea for a, for a Zombie Island sequel that I'm passionate about and pitched it to race race down the, you know, the 405 in traffic just to pitch the Scooby-Doo sequel. I don't think that happened. I think, you know, there's market research had... These just these writers for hire just kind of came and they're like, yeah, we want to do this. Okay. And that yeah. was that. That's why it's like almost reductive talking about it because it's like, you know. We're giving them more credit by talking about it. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the ideas we're talking about, like, oh, why didn't they do this? Or couldn't they have done that? <laughs> it's like they weren't thinking like that. They were just thinking, like, we got to, like, just pump something out. They weren't, yeah. like, they weren't trying to, like, make some like great follow-up or something it was just get the thing out probably well it's a shame. and like any when we talk about like the the plot or like what they could have done it, it's like reductive because they weren't even thinking at that kind of level i assume i i don't know i i'm not gonna pretend like i was in the scooby-doo return to zombie island writer's room or something like that but like i, I did watch the movie they, they got money from us probably there was an ad at the beginning um, it almost that, makes you. It almost makes you miss like some of the '80s Scooby Doo stuff when you yeah. see like this like strictly rigid formulaic kind of stuff coming out where it's like every episode has the form follows the formula of like an episode of Scooby Doo. Where are you? And I almost miss the like the Boo Brothers nonsense and like the reluctant werewolf, wacky races insanity. That's like that was bad, but that was like bad in a different way where like the brand kind of lost its way and they didn't know what it was supposed to be. And they were just making this like weird, crazy stuff, but at least there'd be more to talk about there. Well, and that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, many um, people have said, you know, like reviewers who are much better and, you know, have a lot more subscribers than we do uh, have said, you know, like, you know, plan nine from outer space. Isn't the worst movie. Ever. It's like a terrible movie. That's really entertaining. The worst movie ever made is a movie that you're going to sit and have nothing to fucking say about. And you're just like sitting there like, wow, this is boring. And, yeah, you know, again, I, Boo Brothers might have been a bad movie, but we can. I, I certainly remember more about fucking Boo Brothers with the two of you guys than silently 
watching Return to Zombie Island over Skype with each other. I suppose. I mean, it wasn't much better. Jacob fell asleep, and I was just miserable. That was a, that was about. Well, that's the, that's what's so funny about it is that like it makes you miss that kind of stuff where you're just like, why am I <laughs> sitting through this movie? That's like this terrible thing where school the Shaggy is in like a southern plantation and there's like ghosts and it makes no sense and, and you're just it's not funny at all. But then you like watch something like this and you almost admire like the misguided creativity of those films. Yeah. When you look at it, like a lot of those like. 80s like Hanna-Barbera movies were given to people who um, would become big in the industry and they actually like, had a desire to like make them good. So I mean, I, I don't know much about the talent behind um, those those movies, but like Tom Ruger who went on to do um, Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain, all those Spielberg shows in the 90s you know, cut his teeth on pop name Scooby-Doo and it's like, it was like, you know, you can appreciate that Anna Barbera was like, listen, we don't have a lot of money to do this. You know, we have like a deal with ABC to give them 10 movies between January and December. You have to make them. But you know what? Do whatever the hell you want. I mean, the Yogi Bear movie they did for that centers around them going to the Spruce Goose, a.k.a. the plane Howard Hughes built during World War II. And it's now magic for some reason. Like, what kind of plot is that? But I get, I can appreciate that they're like, you know what, fuck it. Yogi Bear's gonna be on a Howard Hughes plane. What fun can we have? <laughs> Versus this was very committee, like you said, you know. Uh, we need another Scooby Doo movie for Halloween and oh hey, look, Zombie Island is highly rated. Let's do that one. You know, I feel like everyone just shrugged when they made these movies. They're like, eh, whatever. Now what would make you say that? <laughs> Not Frank Welker, though. Frank Welker was just happy to be there. That's thing. I will say the best part about this is the voice cast. Um, they're not given a lot, so what they do have, you know, uh, we had yeah, Frank Welker, as always, as Freddy and as um, Scooby. You have Matthew Lillard still as yeah. Shaggy. Frank, Frank Welker did a great job saying words and lines like, let's set up a trap over there, gang. Well, no, but they or let's get that ghost. Yeah. But no, you had Great Delisle and then Kate Minucci, I think is how you say her name, from um, Garfunkel and Oates and a bunch of other great stuff. She's a oh. great actress um, playing Velma. And it's like, yeah, I don't like what they like. They kind of made um, Scooby and Shaggy jerks and Velma like an you know, obstinate, like just like you know, stubborn, you know, like being like, no, it was swamp gas that caused us to see that. Like, I. They kind of made a lot of them unlikable, but like they're still very funny people, so they're still getting like we would get we would chuckle every now and then. At their I think that was like the the one part that kind of woke me out of my like my trance while I was watching this was uh, <laughs> the stuff with Velma where she was in denial about it all. I thought that was kind of funny. Kind of didn't go anywhere, I guess. Yeah, because wasn't it like at the end she's just still denying it, and they're just like let her live in denial. Yeah, like, and it's like they did that in the last movie as well, where she again tries to claim that 13 ghosts weren't real. And uh, that's just like, it's, so it's like, I'm wondering, like, next year when they do Scooby Doo Return to, you know, Witch's Ghost, and like they have to go find fucking Tim Curry's, like, unmarked grave or some shit. Um, you know, she'll do it again, and like, we'll eventually build to something in this continuity of movies, or is that their now joke about Velma? Because as we've seen in recent years, Fred, they've realized, 
didn't have much of a personality. So they're like, he's obsessed with the mystery machine and is obsessed with traps to like a borderline sexual sexual like orientation to the car and to the traps. And that's actually probably the funniest stuff they've done with him. So I wonder if this is now they're trying to be like, she's just so like analytical. And so, you know, stuff has to be logical that she's going to be ignoring just blatant fact to try and like work around it. And they're, they're desperately trying to make it work and it's not working nearly as well. Jake, do you have an opinion on that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I always thought Fred's personality, his lack of personality should be his character. He's just a vacuum. And anytime yeah. someone tries to have a deep conversation with him, it just goes nowhere. I think that's what I would do if I wrote Fred. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's funny to a certain extent, but I don't know. I, I think that provides like an opportunity to actually create like a character there. Um, it's it's fine like sometimes, but if that's like the thing all the time, I think uh, I think you're kind of might be losing out. Um, well, that's where um, I think in Pop Name Scooby Doo is my personal favorite interpretation. Of like, what is he like in the world? Kid? Um, uh, fuck. Um, he's a raving conspiracy theorist. Like. Yeah, he's part of Q and probably. No, it's kind of like a meta approach, I guess, if you're approaching him. Not, not the pup named Scooby Doo one. That's actually that's a very funny version. I mean, what I was talking about. It's because, like, on the original show, like Fred was there. Yeah, that was his character. And that's like kind of the joke is that there wasn't anything to him, and basically any character you could give him was like being projected onto him by the viewer versus actually coming out from the show. Well, and that's why, like, in the original series, you know, originally, it was, you know, him and Daphne just paired up because the um, team at Hanna-Barbera, like, acknowledged that they were the most boring of, like, the group. So, like, okay, you know, you know, Daphne serves the purpose of being the damsel in distress. Fred kind of half-assed comes up with the plot sometimes, plans sometimes. You know, Velma's doing all the legwork, and then, of course, Shaggy and Scooby are the funniest ones. But, it's like, yeah, a lot of times they just did not know what to do with Fred, and that's why you see that, you know, him and Velma were the ones who were cast aside for all the spinoffs that, like, eventually got to the point where they didn't really know what to do with them. And you're right, I like the meta. Let's just take the two things we saw him do in the original series, the drive the mystery machine and come up with traps, and now we're dialing that up to a level that he's obsessed with. And these new movies, the traps are becoming more like Rube Goldberg machines. Like, when they capture the fake zombies in this, it's fucking a bowling ball going down a ramp into a fucking mailbox and shit. That's like, you can just imagine, like, he's one step away from being Pee Wee Herman at the beginning of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, like, with his contraptions. And I love it. I got that reference now because I finally watched that movie a few weeks ago. Oh, let's talk about it. Yeah, that was great. I was, uh, I, I never liked Pee Wee Herman. He always creeped the shit out of me, but finally watching it, I, you know, after getting over about 10 minutes into, you know, getting over my anxiety of this character, I, there came a certain point where I realized, oh, wait, this guy is a person. That's and just I, great, because that's a funny movie. You know, it's funny, because right before um, quarantine really kicked off and the three of us scampered to different parts of the country, uh, one of the last things we did was watch Flight of the Navigator on Disney+. Plus. And in that movie, Paul Rubens plays the um, voice of the spaceship. And 
the entire time we're watching it, I'm wondering when Jake will notice this. You know, and it's hard because at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of doing like a Hell 9000, very monotone impression, something you don't really associate with Paul Rubens. But partway through the movie, um, he does like a brain scan of the kid and like, you know, his brain becomes corrupted and, you know, starts acting, you know, human-like, he's making stupid jokes and that's when his Pee Wee Herman voice comes out. Yeah, the, the tip off for me was the laugh. Because you guys asked me, you know who that is? And I said, no, I have no fucking clue who this is. How should I know that? And then, uh, you know, then I hear the laugh and then, you know. And then you felt your skin crawl. Yep, yep. Why is he in there with the little boy? In fact, there are a couple scenes in Pee-wee's Big Adventure when he was talking to the kids. I'm like, please, someone call the police. <laughs> Get That's what's great about it. <laughs> this was before the um, porno theater incident. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I don't think we're going to make, we're making Pee-wee Herman a kid anymore. They did that Netflix movie, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, a few years ago, and... Yeah, I watched it, and it's, it's a really good movie, but, um, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's going for the kiddie market. It feels like it's more going for, like, the Gen Xers who grew up with the original movie and then Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they're trying to make him for kids anymore, probably because he's not allowed within a thousand yards of the school anymore. Yeah, and no. I, I think it's safe to assume that, like, 65-year-old Paul Rubens isn't down with Gen Z or whatever. But back to Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. Um, if we must. Back to Jake not talking about it. I mean, I, I think this probably sums it up. I mean, I, That's I don't the know thing. how much it's more like, can we talk about it. Yeah, it's, you know, don't go into it expecting it to be anything above an average disposable Scooby-Doo directed video film. It's got the title, but it doesn't really have that extra passion or oomph behind it. It's, now, it's, it's just another disposable, formulaic Scooby-Doo uh, direct-to-video film. Now, the real question is, do you think this is better or worse than Scoob? I mean, like, Scoob is probably better just by technical default, but I don't like either of them. Yeah, no, we're we're never gonna do a commentary for that. That that was pretty bad. Slightly better than this, but still pretty bad. No. Yeah, I appreciate all the references. That did not save the movie for me. Being like, oh, hey, look, there's a Hex Girls poster. Was the ounce of enjoyment I got, and then 15 minutes of <laughs> and look, oh, hey, look, it's Captain Caveman. Like, oh, I just God. can't. Wait. I just can't wait for like a fucking deep cut, like until your father gets home, what reference. Like, you know, they were going pretty deep with um, some of those references, but they need to go deeper, man. They, they need to make it a, they need to make it a better movie first. Yeah. So. Do we have anything else we want to say? Or are we going to? No, I don't think so. I so, think this about does it. Yeah, it's I, just a very reductive movie to talk too much about. <laughs> So happy one year anniversary. We really put a lot effort into this. Um, what what was the guy's name that we uh Jason Ritter, not to be confused with actor Jason Ritter, or at least I don't think it's actor Jason Ritter. The second second rate film school is proud to announce that we will no longer be taking suggestions. Uh, never again. The suggest the suggestion box has been pulled out from our office. Yeah, we had to fire our intern. We already didn't pay him. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't even furlough him. Yeah. Carl is just gone. Dead. I murdered him. Sorry, Joel.
Joel Edgerton was our intern. Hey, man, COVID's hit everybody tough, okay? Takes what he can get. I'm just I, not imagining it's us. Owen Lars. <laughs> I'm just imagining us renting an office space in downtown Burbank, just having the going into debt for 10 views per video, and having Joel Edgerton there to answer phone calls that we don't get. Did you say going into debt? Yeah, like yeah. we're massively going into debt because we're renting a, renting office space somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. More like breaking in and just <laughs> by. <laughs> And holding the entire place hostage until we can record another Scooby-Doo commentary. <laughs> we break, maybe we just break into like a building that's just been closed down due to COVID, and we're just hoping no this is that um, Bob Iger right now. Well, at this rate, we might be able to pull that off. All right, well, thank you for sticking with us for one year. We hope this didn't chase you off, but we have a lot of fun stuff planned. Like it chased us off. <laughs> They're never coming back onto the show with me. It's just to be me from now on. Um, well, we hope you enjoyed it. And as we move into the Halloween season, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff for you guys. We'll do a Scooby-Doo movie that people actually kind of like. Bye. Thanks, I guess. Bye. Yeah.